This week on Zoe Hates Movies, we're going to watch the movie Gaslight. Zoe, what do you think this movie's about? Okay, this is a bit of a classic, and I feel like I know uh, a little bit. I am going to guess that this is a black and white film about a mean husband who tricks his wife into thinking she's going crazy, specifically by turning down the amount of gas their house gets so that the light gets darker. Do you want to do that succinctly? (laughs) No. (laughs) But I will if you'd like me to. No, that's all right. I think you nailed it. That's very sweet. Time for the theme music. Hello and welcome to Zoe Hates Movies. This is a classic film podcast where I make Zoe watch an old movie that I think she probably might fall asleep to and then we talk about how she didn't fall asleep this time because she was eating some nacho chips and guacamole. That's that's accurate. Uh, my name is Jason Filiatro and you are? And I'm Zoe. Hello. We're here to talk about a film yes. that it turns out has to do with um, a lot more than gas levels changing, contrary to what I predicted at the start yes. of this podcast. So what So what movie did we watch today? We said in the intro, but in case people skip that, even though they didn't. We watched Gaslight. 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 The movie. And it is, it is in black and white. It does look to be approximately 100 years old. Wow. It's hard to tell because it's not based in the time it was made. It's based in 1875-ish. I mean, sure, why not? I just not? saw... <laughs> I'm playing the movie again. And there's oh, a sh- okay. There's a shot of the newspaper. So since you're playing the movie again, you you already know what year this movie was made. Nah, not 1875. What, what year do you think this movie was made? Well, see, I purposely don't look at the Roman numerals that usually say because even though i don't i didn't know you could read roman numerals that's great well that's the thing (laughs) i can i can usually read like some of them it's easier nowadays because you could just have to look at the like 20 i didn't know you were roman but (laughs) (laughs) i don't know um this is a long way of saying i don't know but i'm guessing it's from the 30s uh 1944 oh not too far off you're pretty close. It well, looks it looks surprisingly older than a lot of movies made in the mid forties. There's a lot of hazy shots and it's very hazy. but it's a very moody like mystery. So thing. this movie stars Ingrid Bergman, who was Anastasia in our last episode. Oh, that's why I recognized her and was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. If you haven't listened to Anastasia yet, go back and listen, because I'm about to give you a spoiler. I've listened to it because I was there when we recorded that podcast. Yes. Um, And then this is sort of a spoiler for this film. But I was watching this movie and I was like, wow, she's really good at acting as a um, person with a possible mental illness. Yeah. And that's part of it. She did it twice. She did it twice. And she won an Academy Award for Gaslight, I believe. I think that's well earned. I'm pretty sure. I feel like I'm getting ahead of myself, though. We're we're definitely getting ahead of ourselves. So the first part of this, I mean, we I guess we should tell people uh, that this is we are recording remotely for the first time. The first time. So in case audio is weird, or in case I am bad at uh, making audio sync up so it seems seamless, that's why things seem very odd if they do. And if they don't, then forget I ever heard this. You didn't hear anything. I'm gaslighting you. Dun, dun, dun. Actually, okay. I feel like we almost need a content warning for the content of this movie. I think we kind of do. Like, this should come with maybe a trigger warning because I found it kind of a weirdly upsetting movie. Like, there's some tense, uncomfortable bits in this movie. Yeah. So, I guess that was your warning. If if the idea of watching a movie where uh, a man manipulates a woman into thinking she is 
losing her mind, yes. quote unquote. Uh, don't bother watching this. Just listen to us and we'll uh, give you the highlights of an excellent performance and a movie that like where the bad guy got caught. There you go. Spoiler alert for that. I mean, the bad guys always get caught. That's kind of the whole point of movies. Right? I guess so. I think. They don't always. I don't have examples for that. I feel put on the spot. I just feel like maybe I was thinking a lot about Twitter while we watched this movie where the bad guys just get away. That's true. So Gaslight, famous, I mean, famous now for the concept of gaslighting, uh, which I don't have a precise definition, but it's basically making somebody think that their reality isn't what it is. And Nicely it said. comes from this movie. It is like this movie is why we say that people are gaslighting you. So I thought it was kind of an interesting movie choice for that reason. Um, also, what I think is weird is like we use the term gaslighting to mean that. But in this movie, the gaslight is the only thing that he is not like involved in. Yeah. I w- <laughs> Which is so weird. That as well. Okay, so let's let's get into the movie and to the okay. part where Zoe tells us what happens in the movie. All right. It's um well, I read the titles of the movie. Okay. So, I know it's a David O. Selznick film, right? Uh, I believe no. I think David O. Selznick had the contract for Ingrid Bergman and possibly Charles Boyer. So I think it's like they were on loan from David O. Selznick. Oh, so they just had to put his name on the... Yeah, it was like, you know, Ingrid Bergman appears courtesy of David O. Selznick. Um, So no, it was not a David O. Selznick production. Um, Okay. Well, that's the last name drop I will try to do. Not to tell you that your reality isn't what it is, but (laughs) that's what it was. So picking up from that... We are in London. We're in London, probably in the late 1900s. Yes. Back in the days where they used gas to light their homes, if they were lucky. Mm -hmm. And we are following uh, a young woman, probably in her early 20s, as she basically... The opening scene, we see her sadly leaving a place and going to live somewhere else because something bad has happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, We shortly learn her name is Paula and she has fallen in love after just meeting someone and this causes her to quit her opera lessons and to go off with him to get married despite having met only two weeks before. Wait, did you tell the part where her like her aunt got murdered? Well, we don't know that yet. I think we know that off the top. We don't know that until she is taking a train to she was going to spend a week away to just make sure she wanted to marry this guy and just like spend a week alone and so she's taking a train with a busybody kind of lady who we learn is miss thwaite and she uh it turns out miss thwaite lives at the square in london where paula used to live with her aunt and um i've never said aunt like that before but (laughs) (laughs) i just whipped it out for you my loyal listeners talk this is the day for it so (laughs) um we learn through this exposition conversation with busybody thwaite that there was a murder in this house and it's still empty right um and we don't i don't know if the precise details come out in that moment um because she gets really upset and she gets off the train because it's her stop mm-hmm. and her boyfriend is there. Surprise. This was supposed to be her week where she questioned yes. her next steps and he shows up, which at this point, you know, you, you still might think, hey, this guy's really romantic. They're in love. It's sweet. Seems like a bit or of a you red might flag, think, though. yeah, you might think, oh, he's controlling and he can't just let her have this one thing. Yeah. What's his deal? Yes. So then they're at a lovely getaway because somebody must be rich. Um, we don't get a lot of detail about this very fancy hotel they're staying at. Mm-hmm. And, I think it's on the uh, lake because there's like a boat. And there's like, like steps. They have like stairs that just go down like to the water, which doesn't seem like a very nice hotel to me. Like, it seems like the hotel got flooded. It, it does look like a hurricane just came through and this is the best they could get. I think it's like supposed to be a fancy hotel on Lake Como or something. 
They do look glamorous. Is it Lake Como in Italy? Because they were in Italy. Italy. Okay. Sounds kind of Italian. That was definitely a soundstage where they just built a fake hotel front (laughs) and then flooded somewhere. That was, you know, it's a shame of some of these old movies when they don't go live anywhere. And instead of seeing like a gorgeous 1944 vista of the Italian countryside, you see like a styrofoam porch. That's just the way it was back then. People didn't shoot on location very much. No, no disrespect to the people who had to build this. It looks, it looks like I would, I would rent it out if it were an Airbnb. Oh yeah, if that film set was an Airbnb for sure. Yeah, five stars. And I'm pretty picky. You're not that picky. Oh, remember that one place in London though? Gross. It was totally fine, but it, <laughs> it did not have a boat at the door. Congrats on this very bougie conversation we're having. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, so in Paula and Gregory, her soon-to-be betrothed, are talking. Uh, where should we live, honey? And she's like, oh, maybe Paris. And he's like, yes, or Rome or London. And she gets like a dark expression on her face. Dun, and dun, then dun. he's like, oh, dear, don't laugh at me, but I've always had a dream of having a house in a square in London or something like that. Real subtle, like. Yeah. Uh, really laying down a pattern for us to follow of his mm-hmm. creepiness. And uh, she is uncomfortable with the idea, but then reveals that she does actually have property on a square in London. And I think this is when she reveals her aunt was murdered. Yeah. And I that. Think, um, I feel like I kind of knew it before then, but I don't know why. You might have read the blurb. I don't know. It's just, it's just I think as a film uh, enthusiast, you just absorb what movies are about i osmosisize what the movies about okay where i just guess based on the titles but you actually have a little bit of knowledge that's fair enough so they get married in italy they go they move into this house in london and uh almost immediately they're like walking through her aunt's old items oh it's weird to say that you keep saying it and i know i just feel like if i say aunt it doesn't sound like a real word Aunt. Aunt. Aunt Alice. Aunt. All right. They're looking through Alice's great stuff. Like, clearly, she was very well off. We knew that she was a very talented singer in the opera. There's a beautiful portrait of her wearing a gown from one of her performances. Mm -hmm. There's lots of art. And then Paula opens a songbook uh, from one of uh, her Aunt Alice's big shows. And a letter falls out. A letter. And this letter. Yes. This letter. I'm not going to get as as detailed as we go on. I'm just, this stuff is really sharp and I'm showing off. Yeah. Cause you're still very much paying attention at this point. Yes. This was oh, before I just the got sleepy so fast. Came out. That helped me. I did. You I could tell you were up. falling asleep before that. <laughs> All right. So a um, letter falls out. Yeah. She f- sees a letter. She starts to read a bit of it. Um, and she figures out that it was some fan or something who said, I followed you to London. Uh, and she saw it was signed by a guy named Sergius Byrne. Uh, I didn't Born, even remember that, like that much, so good job. Thank you. I had the captions on, so oh, <laughs> I can remember smart. things better. I should do that. Yeah. And then she also sees the letter was sent two days before her aunt's death. Suspicious. And then Gregory, because he's the most suspicious man on earth, he's so suspicious. hastily grabs the letter out of her hand, Very crumples violently. it up and puts it in his pocket. And pretends that he is just concerned that the letter seems to have upset her and says, we should lock away all your aunt's stuff and we'll keep it in the attic and you don't have to think about it and you won't be sad. And this is like a pattern with him because he's always like so nice and he'll be like, I'm mad at you. And then it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not mad at you. I love you. I love you. I'm not mad at you. Forget I did any of that. I was just worried about you. But then it's like, I'm mad again. He's kind of like very hot and cold. It was very toxic. It was super toxic. Uh, Like, that was kind of the start of it. And it was like, I don't know if it was the time, but there was like this feeling of like isolation and how like, yeah, she had no one to talk to. Anyway, carry on. I'm sorry. Yes. So they have their big house. They've got two servants in the home. One is an older woman who's a bit hard of hearing, which comes in sort of. And one is a younger woman who is supposed to be kind of a tart 
I guess. Mm-hmm. And like she likes to go to music halls and hang out with men, which sounds super fun. Angela Lansbury. Uh, she's it's Angela Lansbury, and she's like nineteen this, years old. Angela Lansbury. Oh, her very she's so first, sassy. Her very first movie. She's super sassy, with a bit of an East End accent, and super yes, flirty definitely. with Charles Boyer. Who's that? He's Gregory, the husband. Charles that's, Boyer. That's the actor's name. Okay. Excellent. Anyway, two servants. Uh, sassy yes, Angela so, Lansbury. Sassy Angela Lansbury is more on the Mur- husband Murder, side. Absolutely not. You never watched Murder, She Wrote? I'm pretty sure you made me watch some. I don't think I did. I think, you know, sometimes I'll be like sleepy on the couch and you'll put something on and I just can't bother to argue. That's like most <laughs> things. <laughs> Yes, point I made. I don't think I made you watch Murder She Wrote. I don't. I don't She's think no you would. Veronica Mars. It's basically Veronica Mars with an old lady in a New England town. <laughs> it's basically okay. that. If that helps you, maybe I'll give it a shot one day. I think. I think it's it's due for a reboot. She was oh, also. Oh, if the it voice was her of, sassy character. She was also the voice of the pot, the teapot in the Beauty and the Beast. <gasps> Love that teapot. So there you go. Like the nicest teapot. Real nice teapot. I interrupted yeah. again. What were we talking about? Okay. Gaslight. So the the next like hour of the movie is basically different scenarios of um, Paula being kind of kept in the house because her husband Gregory keeps making excuses for her not to leave. Mm-hmm. And he does this by telling her she's ill <clears throat> and by making her in- increasingly believe him because he'll do things like... Uh, give her a piece of jewelry and then say, don't lose it, dear. Put it in your purse. And then uh, off screen, steals it back we and hides it from thing. her. Yes. Uh, and later saying, hey, dear, give me that piece of jewelry. I'll have it fixed for you. And then when she can't find it, he says, oh, yes, you all, you're always losing things and forgetting them, dear. Very mean. Yeah. So things like that keep happening where things go missing and he tells her it was hers. Yeah. They're her like fault. a painting that keeps getting taken off the wall. And then she finds it cause it's happened before. And he's like, why are you keep doing this? And, and, other and stuff. she's very, yeah, she's very increasingly distressed by this. But at the same time, there's part of her that's like, these things are kind of minor. Like you got to support me. Yeah. He's pretty Be much nice. a jerk about most things. Totally. So around, I don't know, a third of the way into the movie, we meet un- Uncle Brian. I don't know that he, I mean, he's somebody's uncle because he's, he's, he's there with kids. He's at the Tower of London with kids. Yes. But he's, he's an American actor making no effort to have a British accent. Oh, well, they all sounded British back then anyway, right? Everyone sounded British in the 40s. That's true. Vaguely. Anyway. So we are introduced to a man played by uh, an actor named Joseph Cotton, who was quite famous back in the day. Uh, He did a lot. He was in a lot of famous movies. He was in, what was he, in Shadow of a Doubt and The Third Man. And he did a lot of stuff with um, Orson Welles. Anyway, so we meet Joseph Cotton, and he works at Scotland Yard. He's a cop, and he's got a good heart. Yes. So what will later learn is that he was a big fan of Paula's aunt when she was a singer. Um, as Jason pointed out, most like eight-year-old boys just love opera singing. Oh yeah, little so. boys back then were huge <laughs> into opera. They couldn't get enough of it. They had all the opera I'm sure posters. there was a certain like pop star appeal. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, maybe there weren't, uh, the, there weren't any other pop stars maybe. So that was how it was. You know, like Franz Liszt was real funky looking pianist but he drove the ladies wild ladies went crazy i've heard about this story yes they like i'm not gonna say they threw their corsets at him but they fainted they were fainting yeah so delighted by his list was like the beatles of yes the late 1800s what a guy let's hear it for franz (laughs) um Honestly, I don't know who this podcast is for. I guess <laughs> I don't know. people that want, want to hear us ramble about Franz Liszt and this weird movie and Veronica Mars. But if, if that's your jam, welcome. Welcome and thank you. Thank so you. Joseph Cotton thank you so starts much. investigating 
Paula and Gregory and he wants to talk to her and get her alone to figure out what's going on and he's also really interested in her aunt's murder case which is still unsolved is that about right yes yeah and that's how we learn while he is at uh, the police station Mm -hmm. asking a superior about it we learn that there are some jewels that were never found that she i don't know exactly when we learn this but we find out somebody gifted her crown jewels from another country yeah which seems suspicious like that country was probably looking for those crown jewels they probably were she should have given them back but hey they were a gift what are you gonna do yeah but the whole point of a crown jewel is like it's it's like all of your country's wealth in a jewel form so that you can like have it if your country has to run away somewhere that doesn't sound right but i'm pretty sure that's what it is I think probably the royal who gave them to her wanted her to become his wife. Oh. Anyway, so and now whatever country they're she must from have declined. Is broke. Probably. probably. That's like a whole other political layer of this movie we can't even get into. Oh, so political. Yes. Um, so there's stolen jewels involved, so now we have a motive for the murder. Right. Um Am I missing anything in the middle? I don't know. Stuff That's happened. Important. They went to a concert and she like flipped out. Cause because he tricked her again. He tricked her and like accused her of stealing his pocket watch. Which again was like, dude, just stop losing your stuff. Yeah. He was, he, he was a real like, I just want to punch, punch him right in the head. Yeah. It was like. I w- wouldn't. It doesn't solve things. But what I did like about the movie is like they didn't. It, at no point was I ever, like, thinking she was actually losing her mind. Like, I never thought sh- that she was crazy. It never made me doubt her point of view. I felt differently. I felt like his ploy was working and like that she you was... started to wonder if she was crazy? A little bit. And, like, not... I always knew he was tricking her. Yeah. But I still thought, like, that the effect on her was kind of cumulative. Like, she felt like she couldn't trust herself, so... Oh, yeah. Like, for sure, I felt that she definitely was starting to question her own sanity. Where's the line? But I never thought that he wasn't a bad guy. Yes, agreed. I kind of always he thought also... he was a controlling jerk face. Yeah, he started to hit on Angela Lansbury That's right. A bit. It never came to anything, but he implied some things and she implied some things. Definitely. And then um, he was going to like put Ingrid Bergman in the loony bin. Yes. We hear, we hear this through the grapevine. That's right. That's where it's coming from. Um, so the other one thing that we haven't addressed directly is the gaslights. Oh, that's right. The thing this movie's named after. Right. Okay. Yeah. So Tell he, us about the gaslights. He, after dinner most nights, he'll go out allegedly to go work on his piano compositions because he's a musician. Supposedly. And while he's out, inevitably, Paula's at home and she notices the lights go down. So like the gaslight. Right. It goes from bright to dim. And then <clears throat> she starts to hear like footsteps and clattering and clamoring mm-hmm. above her. And she doesn't think anybody else can hear it and she can't find another a reason for the gaslight to have changed right and the old deaf levels. housekeeper can't hear it because she's old and deaf and then the younger housemaid doesn't like her and so just she'll just go along with the husband so we we don't really know what's happening but we slowly do learn that the husband is not actually going to his alleged workspace mm-hmm. he's just going out around the block and then into a shadowy crevice somewhere. Mysteriously. Mysterious. So this kind of brings us to the climax. Yes, that's the word. All right. Yes. So Uncle Brian shows up. (laughs) Uncle Constable Brian. (laughs) He can just be Brian, maybe. (laughs) Uncle Constable Brian. It helped me remember his name. That works. Totally. Okay. Uh, Uncle Constable Brian shows up at the door and he convinces Paula to trust him because he has this uh, other piece of memorabilia, a matching glove oh, of right. her aunt's. Uh, and it turns out like he was this crazy fan back many years ago. He was the eight-year-old she, fan. Yeah, who she gave this glove to and it was a bit of a mystery. 
So Paula was like, okay, I trust you. And um, slowly Brian shares what he knows, which was uh, that, well, he can, he can see the gaslight going down. Right. And he can so hear the clattering crazy. above her. And she's like, oh my gosh, okay. So that's real. Thank, thank goodness somebody else can hear, hear this. And then what? Then they go to the office because they want to find Gregory's gun. Right. I guess just to have a gun or to hide the gun. I don't know. And they find... Take it out of the equation. What do they find? They find the letter. The letter that he which, said wasn't real. Yeah. Gregory had told Paula that she imagined this letter completely. Oh, and then he also told her that her mom went to an insane asylum and died, which wasn't true. Yes. No. She seems to have died in childbirth or something. Jerk things. Yeah. Uh, so uncle Brian has a letter that he knows was written by Gregory. It was like a regrets that they, he sent to a party. Right. Um, and he compares the handwriting on that to the handwriting from Sergius Bauer mm-hmm. or born or whatever his name was. Uh, and it's, and Paula could see it's the same handwriting and <laughs> it was a bit of like, Oh my gosh, what does yes. this mean? Ah, ah, back and forth. Meanwhile, Gregory is upstairs searching through, auntie alice's old things and he's been doing this for months and we finally understand that he when he leaves to go for work he sneaks into an abandoned apartment nearby and then crawls up onto the roof and then sidles over to their house right and then he goes into the attic which is blocked off on the inside and he finally finds these precious jewels he finds the crown jewels Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, and then dun. we understand that he had previously been looking for these uh, and he strangled her aunt to death. He killed her aunt. And then he like wanted to get the jewels. So he found out where Paula was and he seduced her, married her, convinced her to come back to this house, started making her go insane. All the while he was like up in the attic looking for these things. Yes. And he would have got away with, with it too if it weren't for that meddling uncle constable Brian exactly uh so brian and his uh what is the other word for a police officer i don't know constable oh, maybe he was constable his too mustache anyway buddy? i don't know yeah mustache big hat mustache big hat constable mustache big hat <laughs> they tie up gregory in his attic with some old rope and there's a fantastic scene where husband is all tied up and paula is like um basically confronting him right and she's kind of sorting through things and upset and he's like Bala there's a knife over there cut me out of these ropes and we'll escape through the roof blah 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 and she goes over to the bureau where the knife allegedly is and she takes it out and she's like oh there's no knife here but she's holding the knife yeah she pretends to be crazy as if to it's so great it's pretty awesome. I thought she was going to stab him at that point, but it's not that kind I of movie. I thought a bunch of stuff was going to happen. I thought she was going to like let him get halfway out the window and then close it on him and like kill him that way. I thought she was going to stab oh. him. I thought the revolver was going to turn up. I th- there was a bunch of stuff that was like, I didn't know what was going to happen. So many things could have it happened. It was tense. And then, yes. anyway, the police take him away and evil is punished. Yes. And that was Gaslight. And it was very satisfying. It could have been more satisfying if, like, she found out in the first half of the movie and then Mm. the second half of the movie was revenge or something. Yeah, I was almost, like, wondering, like, oh, is she going to turn the tables on him and start, like, gaslighting him? But that doesn't happen. Uh, I I quite enjoyed, like, the concept of, like, the gas going, the, the gaslight going down. It's, like, such a foreign concept the notion that that somebody else in the house must be lighting the gas because and therefore it's using some of your gas and that makes your lights go down it's a very like it's it's not something anybody deals with in in our day and age no and to be specific about that because he was in the attic and he turned on a light up there that's why her it made the lights lights dim everywhere else in the house because he was like taking the gas but it was a very like it's a it's a very like common thing i'm sure at the time but now it's just seems baffling but they built a whole movie around the idea of it they sure did 
Actually, they built two movies out of it. Is there a, a sequel? Uh, no. There, I mean, we'll get into sort of the production of it as well. We can talk about that. What did yes. so? I mean, I kind of I liked the movie quite a bit. Other than it was very upsetting. I and I was, guess that's part of the point. I guess that's part of the point. They want you to be disturbed and uh, on the side of Paula. I wonder if it was like because of sexism and stuff. If it was more like accepted back in the 40s that like oh of course this wife is going crazy i mean women go hysterical all the time patriarchy blah 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 yeah i don't i mean i think it's extreme enough i would hope that people would all like have a similar reaction to us but i do think like you might be more inclined to think oh like you know the people watching yeah like the the servants in the house to think oh, the lady of the house is like unstable or weak-minded or mm-hmm. she has a hysterical uterus. <laughs> all these <laughs> A uterus is pretty funny. It's just floating all over the place. That's hysterical. Um, yeah. I know that's not what that means. <laughs> I know you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a good question. It probably would have been received somewhat differently then. But also we get that extra layer of the fact that people um, don't believe facts as much as they used to. This is true. We are in an uh, age where people don't believe things. Yeah. Which is great. So that's maybe turned out awesome for everyone. This is, this is a <laughs> nice light podcast, which is a departure from your day to day. That's right. Uh, it. The costuming is beautiful. Her dresses are amazing. Yes, her gowns were awesome. Uh, it looked very authentic. I think it's interesting when you watch like movies that are set in the late 1800s but are being made in like the 40s. You know, 100% there's people working on that movie that were probably around at the time when right. the movie like you know their access to people who were there at the time and could tell you exactly what the time was like yeah so if this was made in 44 quite, quite authentic and so they're basing it say like 60 years prior that would be like making a movie now yeah do the math based on the early 60s there we go there it is i can do it right now because i know how old my parents almost are amazing I got it right this time, Dad. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. People make movies set in the 60s, right? Oh, yeah. What's that? Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That was 60s, right? That was basically the 60s. Or Damn, exactly That's the another 60s. movie I have not seen. I don't think you will enjoy it. I think if I, I watched the first two thirds of it, it would be okay, right? You said it got weird. It gets definitely weird at the end. Okay. I mean, weird for you, for sure. <laughs> Uh, so the costumes were gorgeous. I, I mean, Ingrid Bergman, this is, she won an Academy Award for this and she won the Academy Award for Anastasia, Anastasia. So we've, we've seen both of her Oscar winning performances. Charles Boyer so was aff- super creepy and mean. Sorry, say what? Did, did this, um, wheelhouse of hers affect her future roles? Like, is she always playing women who are, not know, entirely. Not- I mean, she had a pretty varied career and we talked last time about sort of how her career was derailed, uh when she fell in love with a married man. All right. And that, uh, that sort of sent her into exile a little bit. Uh, but that was, that was after, that was after this movie. I don't think she sort of was sidelined playing these kind of characters. I mean, there was a time, you know, this was during the studio era where actresses and actors were under contract to producers and production companies and studios. So she was under contract to Selznick at this time. And so it was a time where you would just sort of get assigned to do movies. Like Ingrid Bergman didn't really have a lot of... She would have had more say than a lot of actors, but she didn't have a ton of say into the kind of role she was assigned to go play. And she would be loaned out to other studios to do, uh, you know, to do whatever she liked. So she did a bunch of different movies. She played, you know, a lot of like very different characters for Hitchcock in... in three of his movies she played you know Casablanca was a very different character she played Joan of Arc I believe Mm. I think anyway so she played a lot of different characters they weren't all women being toyed with in their minds but she played it really well so 
What are you going to do about that? Oh, yeah. Mm. Fabulous. Also, Angela Lansbury got an Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress for playing oh, really? the uh, slapper housekeeper, <laughs> which I think was very great. Um, and my other favorite performance in this is um, Bessie Thwaites, the nosy neighbor. And she's played by uh, a character actor, a British actress from back in the day, whose name is Dame May Witty. Dame May Witty. Dame May Witty. Uh, and she's, I know her uh, mostly from a Hitchcock movie called The Lady, or called The Lady Vanishes, which is kind of similar to this in a way, but it's more comedic. Anyway, and she plays an old lady uh, who is very funny and kind of a busybody in that movie. So maybe that was just her her role. That was her niche. That was her niche. I wonder. She's so the final scene in this movie Paula and Uncle Brian are standing on the roof and they're just standing together and like saying nice things. Yeah. And Mrs. Thwaites sees them and goes, oh my. She's just like, well. And then we see the the end. Yes. It just, was it kind of common to end a not comedy movie with a com- comedy note? I don't know that it is. I, honestly, I think kind of yes. I feel like it was like, send them out smiling. Even though this right. was a horrific drama of domestic abuse, but yeah, Oof. I think that was kind of the thing. Uh, so oh, palate cleanser. Yes. What else can I tell you about this? So this movie is based on a play uh, from 1938, and then it was made into a British film in 1940, and then MGM bought the remake rights to it, and part of that contract was that the other the british version had to be recalled and then all copies of it destroyed that was like mgm's like they bought the remake rights and then they said they had to destroy all the old copies of the other movie oh my gosh um but they didn't end up destroying the negatives so it's still a movie that people can watch if they want to uh it was a british version of it it was quite less well known probably because mgm did that Um, that'll do it that'll do it Um, and I quite, I mean, as far as like a mystery kind of thing, it was quite interesting. Like the mystery wasn't sort of who did it, but what was done and what is being done. Like it was more of like, why is he doing this? I thought was an interesting mystery Hmm. as opposed to what's going on. It did seem like probably the most roundabout way to find some stolen jewels. Yeah. I feel like he could have just like (laughs) Like break into the attic. Yeah. Or like, you know. They were all in there the whole time. Like, why didn't he just break into this house? Like, he has this way to get into the house through by going into an unoccupied house and then shimmying into the attic and down into the house. Like, he could have been going into this house every day for 10 years. And yet, for some reason, he's doing... You know what? Now that I'm starting to think about the plot of this movie, it is not holding up very well. What a goofball. I got, he loves making plans, but he I never likes gaslit. to fact check them. Yes, I got gaslit by this movie. Into Always outline your shit. That's what that means. Truth. Now I have it to put a content warning on this podcast because you just swore. I'll swear again to make it worth it. Please do. No, don't you get one swear? I don't know what the podcast rules are. There's no podcast police. Well, you can bleep me then. I, I don't know. But how, use like um, a comedic anything. clown horn. Auga. Yes. Is that better? Just cut that and then paste it over when I said. <laughs> You said it again. <laughs> I'm just trolling you now. Stop that, you potty mouth. All right. <laughs> Should we move on? Um, I wanted to say. Yes. Well, are you going to ask me if I would watch it again? Okay. Tell, tell us that. How about I do that? <laughs> okay. Would you watch this movie? Like, what did you think about this movie? Uh, I... As you alluded to in the beginning, I kind of started to fall asleep, as I always want to do when the movie is in black and white. Um, However, I think that they did a great job of, you know, things were happening in every scene and they were building the mystery. And I really wanted to see her figure the shit out. Again. Sorry. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sorry. That was an accident. I wanted to see her solve this mystery and realize what was happening. And so that kept me watching and awake. And um, there was no scene at the very end where like some guys in a room explained the mystery to each other. 
That's true. It wasn't like the end of Psycho. Yeah. So I was I appreciated that, and I appreciated that the scenes generally did not drag on. So kudos to the director and everyone else involved in those decisions. George Cukor. That's who directed that. Good job, Cukor. I don't know. I'm probably pronouncing his name incorrectly, but... Well, he was that a, makes two of us, baby. He was baby. a pretty famous director. So I... I mean, probably wouldn't watch it again, but when, when would I? That's true. You know it now. Do you think, yeah, I know do you think it, it could be remade today? Like, do you think it's something modern audiences should watch? Ooh, I feel like it would be a book first. A book? Like somebody would do a new take on it, okay. like a Gone Girl right, kind of. Right, right. And then that would be adapted into a, maybe a limited series. Interesting. Who would play, who would play Ingrid Bergman now? Elizabeth Moss. Oh, it could be. I love that you asked me this knowing I can name no actors. I know. I'm excited to hear which characters <laughs> from things you say that you get the name slightly wrong. Hey. I know. I'm kidding. Kirsten Dunst. There you go. Nice. I don't want to see her in a movie. <clears throat> okay. No offense. So you wouldn't watch it again. Spider-Man. But you, I like Spider-Man. You wouldn't watch it again, but you thought it was pretty good. Yes, and I think it is a, it's well done, and it's challenging and uncomfortable, and that's kind of important, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes people uh, are in situations kind of like this, maybe not as dramatic, but they don't realize it. True that. Or, you know, not that that's the reason for watching a movie, but it's a very interesting uh, study of that kind of mm, bad relationship totally. essentially so so watch it with with caution watch with, with all caution. our warnings intact yeah it's like it's not for everybody and it could be upsetting for sure because that's the world happy ending dun 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 so now is the part in the podcast where you zoe tell us something that you like this week excellent well we I had a few things in mind, mm-hmm. and the one that I have settled on is bullet journaling. Bullet journaling. Okay, you've mentioned this to me a couple times. Yes. So I'll just give a quick overview of what it is. Yes. Because I think some people have heard of it, but they might not actually know what it is. Because that is what position I was in. Um, you perhaps, I'm going to bust these myths. So bullet journaling is not. It's not about bullets. Making, it's not journaling all not, the bullets that you buy. It's not about, no. it's not a gun thing? No, but you could, you know, if you're an enthusiast and you wanted to track your guns, you could use If you want to keep track of how many bullets you have, you can use a bullet journal? Exactly. Okay. Great. So um, that's bullet journaling. Good to know. Shut up. <laughs> Let me talk. Um, so it's, you've probably seen Instagrams or something of pretty illustrated journal pages or not. agenda pages, that sort of thing. All of my, the general all of my use Instagram them. is just action figures. It's just, okay, I understand. Well, some people's Instagrams might contain these pretty pictures. Um, Anyway, bullet journaling is not about having a fancy agenda. Mm -hmm. It's also not specifically about journaling. And by journaling, I mean like writing down what you did. Yeah. um, In fun language or straightforward language or anything like that. It's what um, is it about? What is it? So it was, it started out as a system that Ryder Carroll, this guy, Uh, developed for himself to help keep track of things and um, kind of to help manage his ADHD. Mm -hmm. And then a friend uh, wanted to learn his system and said, like, this is amazing. And the pieces of it that I thought were really key are that it is a combination of a planner, an agenda, a diary, um, a place where you put your to-do lists and especially a place where you create collections, which are basically pages in your journal where you note information that you want to track and pay attention to later, specifically so that you can do something with that information. Okay. And what I mean by that is you are trying to like improve on an area of your life or you want to look for patterns in things because you want to make a change or because maybe you're learning something new and you want to, you know, appreciate how far you've come. So 
Uh, oh, and then the final piece of bullet journaling that I think is really simple, but for me made it really super relevant mm-hmm. is that it has an index at the front nice. or table of contact tent, but they call it the index. And so you update your table of contents whenever you add new content. So you don't <laughs> forget what's in there and can't find it later, which is probably for me, one of the main reasons that I have so many journals with 10 pages used and 200 pages blank. Right. Cause you get started and then you're like, I don't know what's in here. And then you forget about it. Yes. Exactly. So I'm really enjoying, I've got a couple collections, one of them, um, writing down what books I've read this year mm-hmm. and what, um, general genre they're in so that I can appreciate that I'm reading more books this year. Way to go reading. Yes. Uh, I'm, it is fundamental. <laughs> I am tracking, uh, I concussion symptoms yeah. because several months ago I sustained a concussion and it's much better now. And I'm really excited about that. And one of the ways I can know that for sure is by looking at my symptoms. Nice. And, and then I, in theory, I want to track some swimming because I've just started swimming in there, but right. for now I'm just writing down when I go swimming. Not sort so of that what I kind can. of swimming you're doing. Yeah. Cause I only know how to do one, one way, which is go forward and splash the water in your mouth. <laughs> And <laughs> try to not that's attract the, the attention of the lifeguard. Of that's, that's classic <laughs> it's, swimming. Oh, it's, it's Michael Phelps. It's getting better. It's Michael Phelps it's swimming. It's great. Good it's job. What he would do if he was drunk swimming. There you go. Um, so that is like not even going into bullet journaling much at all. But if you are looking for a way to uh, stay on top of your stuff and keep track of things and generally, you know, have a place for whether it's like just making a quick note of what you did that day or what you need to get done. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does all manner of these things and you have an excuse to buy a new journal. Who doesn't love an excuse to buy a new journal? Yeah. So if you're interested, you should totally read the book, the bullet journal method, because it's real good as far as self-helpy books go. Um, And it'll be fun. I just and realized if Ingrid Bergman had a bullet journal in Gaslight, <gasps> she wouldn't, it would have helped. She wouldn't have been driven mad by Charles Boyer. Yes, I was totally thinking if she was like writing down things, you know, what was happening to her every twenty minutes, yeah. she might have noticed stuff wouldn't have slipped up on her. Yes, bullet journaling. Don't get gaslit. Will save you from have being gaslit journal. by Frenchmen who are trying to steal your dead aunt's crown jewels. That's it's basically what it's for. Aunt. Aunt. Your dead aunt. Yes. Awesome. Thank you for listening to my bullet journal podcast. <laughs> are we a bullet journal podcast now? Is that what we are? We've trend, we, no. We've, we've shifted over? Okay. We are everything you ever wanted in a podcast. Wow. Making a big promise. I don't know if that's true. Jason, I was nervous about recording this one because it's kind of the first one we've done since people started listening. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah, this is so they're up, they're live. We'd recorded a few and we'd banked them and then we started putting them up and now now it's live and up to maybe fives of people might be listening to this podcast right now. Yes. So Literally, super duper. There's at least five because we've got five reviews on iTunes. We have five friends. So there's that. Thank you. Thank Hi, you friends, friends who've rated and reviewed. I have heard that's actually super important for helping us climb up the ratings and rankings. We should have put this at the front of the podcast where people were still listening and not at the end after they've sort of tuned out or fallen asleep. They might be asleep, but we're putting it into their minds. Please rate and review on iTunes. Yes. Um, And and? we're on Spotify. Oh, yeah, we're on Spotify now. I don't know how Spotify works. Do we have a Spotify account now? Should I start listening to music? I, I don't think we do. Honestly, I have no idea how we ended up on how like it all worked out. We're just on there. So we're on there. Okay. We're on some other podcatchers. Some things just look, I don't know. We're out there. We're on the internet. We have a website, uh, zoehatesmovie.com. zoehatesmovies.com. That's the name of the web, the podcast.com. Uh, you can send us messages there. You can send comments. You can check out back episodes. You can, those are all the things you can do. You can see a picture of you can our also- cat. Oh, yes. And you can see pictures of the movie posters or yes. what What was that? The Japanese. Was it a Japanese um, poster for Westworld? Yes. That was cool. Why not? 
uh yeah so write us review us visit the website hit us up on the twitter check us out on twitter at zoe right zoe hates movies and those are all the things that we're plugging because we don't have any sponsors because the ghost mattress store has not gotten in touch with us yet one day baby one One day day. so we should sign off because this is the end of the podcast and this is the part where we say goodbye to everybody and thank you for listening thank you uh until next time i am jason filiatro and i'm zoe that's zoe and this has been zoe hates movies and we'll talk to you next time go watch a movie or, do, or don't. Or do that. Nice. Sorry, I interrupted your... I didn't know you were doing <laughs> a okay. sign-off cool slogan. I was trying a new tagline. Give, give it another try. Do it again. Go watch a movie. Or don't. Can you give it more like sass on the or don't? Like, Go watch a movie. Or don't. Nice. Nailed was it. Was that sass? That was like 14-year-old sass. I mean, that's kind of the most withering sass. That is, that is the sassiest. All right. This is good banter. <laughs> or not. <laughs> I thought we were signing off. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Are you telling me that or the podcast listener? Uh, both. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. All right. Everybody go have a good day. And that's it. I'm going to hit the stop button now. Stop. Not not record. I'm going to hit not record. No. What do I, I hit the square? <laughs> I don't know. Just hit something. Oh, I'm afraid I'm going to ruin it and lose everything. Yeah.